previously on the Sick Invite Podcast. So being able to spread it out through different podcast episodes and give... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, you're not going to give all this bathroom reference and then you're not going to say squeeze and then spread it out. Is that, that was not planned? You are now listening to the Sick Invite Podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is the Sick Invite Podcast, a storytelling show about all ailments. Bigger small, chronic or temporary, the Sick Invite Podcast provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What's wrong with you? Uh, me? Uh, I think that, that Moe's might be the worst burrito of all time. That's what's wrong with me. Uh, disagree, but okay. And how are you today? Domino's has the best crap pizza of all time, right behind movie theater pizza, and I am still thirsty from eating it on Friday night. But it's weird. Like you sounded like you were reading a line off a of page. I said, "How are you today?" And you just said, "Like <laughs> <laughs> a word from our sponsor." <laughs> uh, this show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, private photography sessions, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. Please subscribe to our show, comment, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sick Invite Podcast and tell your friends. We also have some merchandise available on the sickinvitepodcast.com, including our What's Wrong With You shirt and mug. Please buy them because we need money for our show because Ricky currently has a sock over his headphones. They irritate my ears otherwise. I need a soft, yeah. soft against my ears. We need some new equipment. I will share a picture so you know I'm not lying. Uh, speaking of equipment, so I got some comments back from our producer. As you remember, I, I hired a producer named Klaus to edit the show and to handle the audio, as you recall from last week. And um, I, now I, I don't hear the show until it's sent back to us and, and posted on the internet. And so apparently he had the, he bleeped out. I thought he was going to take that whole segment out where I did all the cursing. But he tried to be cute and he just bleeped everything mm. to make me look stupid. Do you remember this? Did you listen to the show from last week? No. Oh. Well, in the show, I said a bunch of swear words that I wasn't supposed to say. And instead of just taking it out, he just bleeped all of them. And that made me look like an idiot. So it was a waste of time. And he wrote us a little note here. He sa- he was actually very complimentary of you. He said, Klaus, uh, Klaus wrote to us, he said uh, that he enjoyed the show last week. And he said there was, ha- and he's happy that there are no comedians hosting the show. Ha! I like this guy. Yeah. I'd like to meet Klaus. I got to go over the contract again. I got to see if I'm able to get out of this. So today we're going to discuss how long it took me to get diagnosed. And one thing that people don't really know or that they assume is that when I was diagnosed, I had a flare up. I got tests. And well, I, Kayla, I don't mean to step all over here, but what, did, what, what are you again? What are you, what's wrong with you? Many things. Well, I'm saying, well, what are you talking about? Today di- we're going to talk about Crohn's disease. There you go. <laughs> For the that, folks at home, it's not just you and I talking here. That's that's the main thing. Well, yeah. if if they skip to episode two, maybe they did. I'm, I'm not happy about it, but I get it. I've done it many a time. So I got Crohn's disease, and but I was never actually sat down and said, "Hello, patient, you have Crohn's disease," and we found that based on this test. That doesn't really happen, especially with autoimmune diseases. It took eight years to get diagnosed so today we're going to talk about two of my many hospital visits the first one relating to this issue when i was 14 and then the last one pre-diagnosis when i was 22 and how old are you now i'm 26 wow are you really i am i didn't know that and a half 
When when is your birthday? October. What's the day that to make sure I have it? Seventeenth. Good, because I was at the pharmacy the other day and they asked for your. Uh, <laughs> they were like, "All right, what's the prescription? Uh, the date for the one birthday?" And I knew mine, obviously. Obviously, I knew mine. And then the other one, and I was like, "It's either sixteen, seventeen, or 18. I gotta. Mm. And I, but I, hey, I got it right. First try. You know, it's never good. Like when you say like, if I just go to say eighteen, and they just give you a look like. Mm-mm, close mm. and i'm like this shouldn't be how it's done and for the record how long have we been together as far as i can remember <laughs> since 2008 so the first hospital visit disclaimer i'm going to talk about poop here all right <laughs> what do you want to do so when i was 14 as an eighth grader I woke up in the middle of the night with this sudden and intense abdominal pain, ran to the bathroom, and I was projectile vomiting, and I had explosive diarrhea. The best kind. (laughs) Now, let me elaborate a little on this vomit. It woke my mom up hearing me vomit, because it was projectile, projectiling. (laughs) Is that a word? No. (laughs) It was coming out so hard that I was sitting on the toilet, explosive diarrhea, The tub was about three feet in front of me. I was vomiting so hard that it made it into the tub, and there was no mess. So my mom woke up from the sounds of my vomit hitting the bathroom, the tub floor, as if I started a shower at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it might sound a little something. (laughs) No, just just kidding. So my mom heard that, and she came into the bathroom, and she stayed with me all night, rubbing my back, holding my hair up. It was a long process of vomiting and diarrhea. All right. Diarrhea. Yes. Vomit. Right. (laughs) Several hours of. Several hours of. So by the time the sun rose, my mom said, all right, we got to take you to the hospital, because it wasn't just some bug that I was having. I was in a lot of pain. So that hospital visit, I was there for a couple days. I was admitted, and I left with a diagnosis of a ruptured ovarian cyst. Very painful. Uh, A couple listeners have written in, well, pre-listeners, a couple of Instagram followers have written in about their experiences with ruptured ovarian cysts as well. (laughs) Did you just say pre-listeners? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a quote. That's a term. Those are our number one fans. We have listeners and (laughs) pre-listeners. We we have listeners and we have people who have not listened to the show and has still bought merch anyway. But are interested. Those are the true fans. The pre-listeners. I love that. Shout out to Jenna who already bought. Shout out to the pre-listeners. Who already bought a sweatshirt with my face on it. You have to be careful with the pre-listeners. (laughs) Pre-listeners. You have to be careful. I get what you're saying there. So I had a ruptured ovarian cyst. Left the hospital and with my follow-up visits with the gynecologist and the gastroenterologist. On top of that, they concluded that I had dysmenorrhea, irritable bowel syndrome, and chronic fatigue syndrome. Now, this is where things get kind of muddy in my journey. All of those things are correct. I do have all of those things. However, that's not all that's wrong with me. There are many things as listed in episode one. Now, when you have abdominal or pelvic pain and you go to your doctor and they see that list on your chart they go oh of course yes you're having pain because you have dysmenorrhea and you're having diarrhea because you have irritable bowel syndrome moving on to the next patient so I really didn't get that much more help as my symptoms were progressing they were not investigated further until much later until I was 22 
and the symptoms had progressed through my whole body at that point. So to be clear, I was never misdiagnosed. At the time, I was underdiagnosed. Is that the, uh, the, the, co- the term used? There is a lot of people who get misdiagnosed um, with something that they don't actually have. I do have all of those things. So I don't want to say it was a misdiagnosis. I just have things on top of those things. I got a lot of problems. And, and Kayla, I guess we should, if we haven't prefaced this already, that neither one of us are, are doctors or... or, or or, um, no, nah, I'm just a lady. Right. So, I mean, so any of this discussion of medical terms is kind of all stuff that you've kind of been forced to learn by pure uh, survival nece- necessity and, and listening to medical professionals. So, uh, j- just as a note, in terms of, uh, in you know, in terms of your when you're using these terms and things like that, that these this this is more just general conversational so uh, terms. With that being said, let me ask: as a man, do you know what dysmenorrhea is? No. Dysmenorrhea is a fancy word for very painful periods. I was missing three or four days of school at a time if my period fell on the right day, um, just from the cramping alone, vomiting, headache. Couldn't get out of bed without a heating pad. So that is general, very small term of dysmenorrhea, for those who don't know. Oh, no, I'm I'm not disputing what you were saying. (laughs) I'm just saying in terms of like when you were saying... uh, your diagnosis or, or misdiagnosis or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. No, but I think you should explain some of these terms for the folks at home that, yeah. that maybe don't know. Well, I think irritable bowel syndrome is kind of self-explanatory. Uh, well, well, it is and it isn't because it's <laughs> ir- irritable uh, in terms of like its temp its temperament. Yeah. And then bowels. That I know what that is. And then mm-hmm. syndrome uh, is just like it's something that comes on, mm-hmm. but it's something that you would have all the time. Yeah. That you have all the time, but is is active or less active in particular instances. Yeah, I see. Okay. And then chronic fatigue syndrome is similar, a syndrome. Now, can we talk about the chronic fatigue syndrome a little bit? How do, how do they determine that in terms of you having that? Well, now there are more studies, and I think they are getting closer, if not already have a blood test to confirm chronic fatigue syndrome. But mm-hmm. most of these things that I have are symptom-based diagnoses. And if I could also say, as a layman, in all the things that you've just uh, listed are things that uh, a regular, I shouldn't say regular, but a person may have, a lot of people may have, either separately or together, in various degrees of. Like, a lot of people have an uh, upset stomach mm-hmm. occasionally here and there. I mean, chronic fatigue syndrome... You know, most people in Manhattan would probably you would would t- tell you that they feel tired all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, in terms of uh, the, I can't speak for the uh, issues with having a period, but I'm sure many people who have a period will tell you that it's uncomfortable. And so, it's just the varying levels of those things, or is there a specific? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. If it becomes debilitating, if ah. it's interfering with your life, I see. So, for example, chronic fatigue syndrome. You had mono once. Remember that extreme fatigue that you've never felt anywhere else in your life yep yep chronic fatigue is a lot like that all the time comes in flares yeah um, i only felt it twice once when i had a uh, mono and and the second time when i watched the irishman <laughs> <laughs> i didn't see it no <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't make <laughs> is it similar to how i felt when i watched the lord of the rings uh it's uh Confu- no, it's a little. Uh, it's a little <laughs> easier to get your he- head around. In terms <laughs> <laughs> the names by itself are a little bit easier. Four hours of my life that I'll never get back. So, 
as I was saying, underdiagnosed. By the time I was 22, my symptoms progressed from having occasional diarrhea and painful periods and being tired all the time to now having widespread joint and muscle pain, uh, ulcers in my mouth and nose. I couldn't eat much, and when I did, it would come right out, and I'd be in the bathroom 20 times a day. I wasn't sleeping, so I was running on empty. I'm, I'm a tiny person. I'm only 5'3", but I was 98 pounds, very small. Um, but at the same time, my abdomen was inflamed, so what we call abdominal distension. My stomach was pretty get big, so I looked like I was pregnant, which is uh, always fun as a young lady to have people ask you when you're due. Oh, sure. That's, that's always great. So on my 22nd birthday, I woke up that morning with more pain than usual. It was very raw and intense abdominal pain that hurt so bad every step that I took. It was like someone was trying to rip out my insides. So I went to my primary care because <laughs> hospitals are expensive. And he gently pressed my abdomen and said, no, 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 you got to go to the hospital, thinking I had appendicitis. Because um, I was so sweating, my heart was racing like crazy, but that was not from an infection. That was from being in pain, <laughs> being nervous. Yeah. So that hospital visit, a lot of people, when they talk about their diagnosis or when you're looking at your medical chart, they want to know when you were diagnosed. I don't have a specific day that anybody sat me down and said, you have this. So whenever I think about it, I refer to this particular day. Number one, because it's easy to remember because it's my birthday. And number two, because that was the, the flare that ultimately led to my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So for this hospital visit, I was admitted for a few days. And in that process, I saw three different doctors who said three different things to me, which made getting help very confusing. By this time, it was already kind of an idea in my brain that I might have Crohn's based on research I was doing on myself at that point, which I don't recommend doing. Please go see doctors. So the first doctor that I saw after seeing my CAT scan and then I had inflammation, he said, based on your history and what we have today, you may have Crohn's disease, but we're going to look into it further, rule out infections, whatever else could be. So I started crying because I knew that this was a serious disease, but I was also really happy that I could finally have a name to what was going wrong with me. The next doctor that I saw, <laughs> hoping to talk about this more, um, ended up my mom screaming at this guy because he was reading me the wrong chart of another patient. Mm -hmm. And then the... Maybe he was testing you. Maybe. He just wanted to see if I was He's sharp like, ah. as a tech. He's like, oh, her mind. Yeah, Mine's yeah, sharp. That's here. working. That's right. The So my mom yelled at him. My mom's a nurse, so she was saying all these doctor stuff. Um, then the third doctor, who ended up being my doctor for a little bit at the time, was saying this could be a one-time thing, which to me was very frustrating because even though on paper this was the first time that they have it documented of what my pain was, this had been ongoing since I was 14. So to hear someone tell me, eh, it's one time thing, you'll, you'll be better soon, was devastating to me. So because of that, I left that hospital visit with follow-up appointments to see this man and I was taking 17 pills per day between steroids, antibiotics, and over-the-counter pain medication, all while being this 98-pound, exhausted little girl. So at this time, 
leaving the hospital. This was all during midterms, by the way, in college. I was a junior in college. So I had to go back to school on all these drugs, telling my professors, I'm sorry, I can't take the midterm because I'm in the hospital. I can't take the midterm because I didn't have time to study all week because I was in the hospital. Most people were very helpful and believed me because I looked emaciated, but it was hard. What does emaciated mean? Very skinny. Okay. Um, malnourished? Malnourished for sure because I, because of the inflammation, I wasn't absorbing any vitamins. It was all coming I'm just, I'm just painting a picture here. Yeah. So to, to paint a literal picture, I will post a picture that my mom took of me in the hospital with a birthday crown on in the hospital robe. Um, it's not cute, but you could see I couldn't even open my eyes. I was so tired and in so much pain. So this was a very depressing time of the life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was I failed uh, I think all of those midterms and I withdrew from my courses. Um I was not getting answers. I was feeling like I was dying every morning. So with the help of and advice from someone, a professor that we'll get into that one day, I decided to get new doctors and have a clean slate now that I had the proof of why my stomach was hurting. I just needed an answer. So I saw my current doctor, who is a rheumatologist, and I was really, really mean to him, and which thankfully he laughs about now, and he calls me trouble. But I went in there saying, I am not leaving until you tell me what's wrong with me, and I'm not taking any more drugs until you tell me why, because I was so tired of taking 17 pills every day at that point. So this is the first doctor who looked at me as a whole. Prior to that, I was seeing all specialists who either were focusing only on my uterus and ovaries or someone that was focusing only on my intestines that I needed someone to think if they were related, which in this case, everything was. So he examined my symptoms as a whole. Finally, someone suggested that the root of the issue is my gut, and if we get that under control, everything else will fall into place. And he said it was definitely an autoimmune issue I had going on. And he agreed and also thought it was Crohn's and even said that the arthritis pain that I was having is a Crohn-specific arthritis. So even then, when I had a doctor who could tell me that all of this was happening for a reason and pinpoint it, he still couldn't tell me that it was Crohn's for sure, that he had to say, I think it could be. And a lot of the times the diagnosis with these kind of things are, we're going to try you on this treatment and see how your body reacts to it. And then you get your diagnosis that way. So after he said all these issues were stemming from my gut, I followed up with a new gastro. I saw this doctor and said, listen, I'm fine right now, but I need to establish a relationship with you so that when I'm not fine, I could see you right away because I can never seem to catch what's wrong with me. I, let's say on a photo. Like how we ha I have the one image from the hospital visit. And he agreed. What do you mean an image? What would that be of? So uh, having proof. So I've had all these times where I, I've seen plenty of gastros before this, but a lot of times with these specialists, it takes so long to get your appointment that I'd be feeling bad now, make my appointment for three months later, and by then I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So they take a picture in the exam. A picture of what, though? That's my body. No. <laughs> so they would, um, let's well, let's say, CAT scan or an MRI or whatever, ah, see, whatever you have. And I'd be 
it would be immaculate. It would, <laughs> they would be like, you are a perfectly healthy girl. I'm like, well, yeah, now, but three weeks ago I wasn't. Right. So I needed to find somebody who would be available. And I don't know how this guy's so available, but I called up a day where I was having the pain again. They sent me to go get my CAT scan. And then I finally had that on paper again. And that helped solidify my diagnosis. So after months of trying different medications, having the suggestion that it could be this, and then it all tying into place, I didn't never even at that point seen Crohn's disease. And I just happened to come across some paperwork that it said I had it. And I'm like, oh, so I do have this. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, yeah, you, you responded. That, that was a theory. You responded to the medication for this disease, it makes sense that you have Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was diagnosed. Didn't happen overnight. There was never a day, like in TV. There was no epiphany. There was no epiphany. It's not like in TV where you're in the hospital and they tell you you have this disease and then you cry into your mother's arms. I never had that. I always had it. It could be this. We're going to try this. And if that doesn't work, it might be this. And that's very, uh, that seems to be uh, very specific to the issues that you are having and the issues that you have. But it also doesn't seem, especially from things you've heard from other people, doesn't seem to be different from what a lot of people experience. And that's uh, from what I understand, what I hear from you is that it is sometimes to do with the people that you're working with to figure this stuff out. But it also just has to do with the nature of the human body and how difficult it can be to kind of, uh, to, to, grasp what's happening yeah to, or to capture it as you said before and there's so many things that could go wrong with your body that if it's not an immediate common thing like all right she doesn't have appendicitis right what could it be there's so many things that could go wrong with your body and of course your doctor is not going to know every single disease in the world so it also i've come to not be angry with them for not figuring me out earlier and i'm happy that they took the time my current doctors anyway, to really think about me specifically. Is there, was there a time in which, and, you know, medical professionals, just like anybody else, are human beings that have, you know, that are flawed and have limitations to what they can do, time and also uh, understanding of, of knowledge. And uh, there was there a point in which you became aware of the infallibility of these, of people, of this type of thing? Of course. I mean, my one specialist that I saw has even said to me, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know too much about that. You should speak with your other doctor about that. Right, right. And I really respect that they don't brush it off or pretend that they know more (laughs) than they do. Yeah, yeah. I think that honesty was really important in the relationship that I have and the fact that my doctors are willing to communicate with each other as well mm-hmm. if needed uh, so far they haven't had to because everything knock on wood works out for me in terms of my medication but just having somebody to actually sit and hear me was major and i don't know if that's because i yelled at <laughs> these doctors on my first day and they were just scared at this little lady or if these particular people are just have more time than other doctors that i've seen in the past where i My first visit with this rheumatologist, I spent maybe 45 minutes with him, which some doctors do not have the time. Sure. Just in terms of who they're booking. Um, So I guess if you're looking for a diagnosis currently, I just want you to know that mine didn't happen overnight. 
And then even though I didn't get my answer right away, all the little steps that I took to get close to an answer were really helpful too. So don't get discouraged if you're not there yet. And then I think a lot of people fear being called a hypochondriac. I personally... What what does that mean? Hypochondriac is somebody who thinks that they have all these things wrong with them that aren't actually wrong with them. But what, but does a hypochondriac, because I don't actually know the answer to this, and I'm sure somebody smarter than, than us can tell mm-hmm. me, or you can tell me, um, w- does that mean you actually feel it, or it's both, or it doesn't matter? I, I don't know. I know there's a difference between being a hypochondriac and, be, and having Munchausen syndrome. I think Munchausen's is when you... Well, we're really getting off the rails here. <laughs> well, uh, this, this is relevant, I promise. Munchausen's is when you pretend you have something, or, or you're lying about it for value whether it be to get sympathy or money right um and you see documentaries about that where but the thing is if you are having these problems even if somebody tells you oh it could all be in your head go see a new doctor get a new opinion and because nobody in my time of all this has ever told me you're a hypochondriac i have been told i was overreacting i've been told i was a drug seeker and there are a lot of things, and we can have a healthcare professional come on too and talk about that end of things of trying to sort through who needs the help the most, especially like in the emergency room. If you're bleeding out, right. you're going to get the attention before I am who's sitting calmly in the corner. Right. But I, I think that some people fear that they're going to be told that they're overreacting. And I don't... Well, this is kind of how I always felt about this type of. I don't consider myself a hypochondriac. I can. I, I wouldn't say, but I'm. I think most people that are um, fairly well and don't experience a lot of chronic pain or or things like that sometimes are a little more hesitant to think that they have something or or the opposite, where they think that they always have something. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because a lot of people have never experienced real pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, well, I don't want to say real pain. I'm sorry. I shouldn't immense say. Pain. Uh, there are some there, but there are people that maybe haven't felt anywhere near the pain as the actual uh, pain that they should be feeling in comparison to what that is. Mm-hmm. Or, or I shouldn't say pain. I should just say symptoms or feeling any sort of change to their yeah, body. They don't. They their body doesn't recognize what the severity of it could be. Right. At this point in time, this is the worst they've ever felt. Right. So of course those you know signals are firing that oh this is an emergency i right. need help so it's it's the same way like some person may feel a tickle in their throat and that who's never had strep throat or something or never had something that feels like a throat issue mm-hmm. or, or somebody who's never had a broken bone but they feel like they have a broken bone because something hurts and i i could always consider it to be like when you i don't know if you've, you've been fishing but like when you go fishing right you have the line in the water and like every time you feel like it drags along a rock you're like oh it's a fish yeah. Oh, it's a fish. But then when you actually get a fish, there's no mistaking it. Yeah. That's usually how I compare it. So it's like... that. That's a good analogy. And I, I think, too, when you are... Because this is something I, I feel all the time. When you are in pain, you can kind of be in a sense of hyper-awareness of your body. Mm-hmm. So I'm... my Even though I'm feeling well with my treatments, my body's kind of a moving target in terms of what's wrong. Because what one treatment might fix one thing, it could harm the other Mm -hmm. so i'm always like i wake up every morning and i assess my body (laughs) and think okay what hurts and if it's something new i'm like oh my god is this is are my symptoms progressing or did i just hurt myself like when i hurt my shoulder 
recently from knitting, by the way. I couldn't. Uh, they, right now, they think that I have some sort of pinched nerve in my shoulder. So there was a day where my right hand wasn't working. I couldn't use a fork to feed myself, and it was getting numb. And I'm like, oh my god, this is a new symptom of mine. What's wrong with me now? Mm-hmm. But it turns out it was unrelated to my autoimmune issues, and I just have a pinched nerve. Right. So I think when you're hyper aware like that, and your own nervousness can come across a certain way to certain people, but you shouldn't be afraid to discuss that with your doctor. I could right. see if your friends are like, oh, you're being dramatic. Your friends don't know anything. Your doctor <laughs> does. <laughs> what if your friend's a doctor? Hey, well, if your friend's a doctor, that's another thing. I think generally speaking. Generally speaking, because I get that a lot when people reach out to me that their friends are kind of brushing it off, like telling, oh, don't worry. And like most people mean well when they say that, like, it'll be fine. But that's like the last thing you want to hear when your body's crumbling every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I would say that when if you are still looking for help in what's going on with you, don't be afraid to let it all out. They're not there to judge you. They're there to make you better. They took an oath to do that. As, as you were saying before, sometimes when you're interacting with people that are your friends or that are, you know, ca- possible caretakers or relatives, people that you speak to that aren't medical professionals or can give you a diagnosis, you kind of mentioned that, um, you, that they, don't, they don't really know anything or sometimes they can tell you that everything's fine when it isn't. Um, from, my, uh, from my own personal use of this, uh, w- what is the balance of being a caretaker in terms of being a positive, uh, a positive person versus being um, maybe unhelpful? So I, I think that there's probably, uh, to be a positive uh, lifeline for somebody or to be a, just a positive thing. So if somebody says it's going to be okay, a- as a general statement, is probably positive. But it may, like you were saying, be something that the person doesn't want to hear in the moment. Um, so how do you how do I walk the line as a, as a caretaker or or someone who may need a, or need assistance from somebody else's? How do I uh, walk the line of being uh, realistic? Because I also don't think it's helpful if a person comes to you with an issue that they're suffering and you tell them that, well, the world is a dark and gloomy <laughs> place and we're all gonna just fall well, to the earth. So uh, so how do you walk the line if you're when you're experiencing something? Um, uh, what what kind of response, not from a medical professional, but just from someone you're discussing it with, what what kind of reactions do you find to be not encouraging or w- do you find to be helpful and or do you find to be um, encouraging? What, what I've been seeing a lot right now on the internet, just from the current state of the world and how many people are suffering mentally right now and physically from the pandemic, is toxic positivity. Oh. Yes, where you mean well, but you're actually useless. Dismissive. Yes. I see. Can you give me an can you give me an example like in a very minute uh, situation? So if you said like what if my car breaks down? Uh, I mean I don't really I have to find the article that I saw. Oh. <laughs> um, but but it, I don't know if a car breaking down would be the best thing. What are, well give me your you go ahead. So if I'll somebody say. says, you know I I'm. I'm feeling really down today because the world is on fire. And you say, it could be worse. Be thankful for what you have. Ah. That's kind of annoying because it's dismissive of what you're currently going through. And, like, of course. And, like, I see that a lot with the chronic illness people is that when they compare illnesses and diseases, and a lot of people will say, 
like they'll be talking about their ailments and that they have this chronic illness and people will say, oh, well, at least it's not cancer. (laughs) 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 Which like, yeah, okay, it's not cancer, but I also have an incurable disease. They like both terms use both diseases and use the term remission. Right, right, right. And and that's kind of one of your big things is not comparing. Yeah, you don't want to compare because is quite dismissive of what that person is actually going through. So instead... I heard a great... Not to cut you off, I heard a great thing. It was a sports analogy that said, where, like, if you ever watch, like, a sports center or something, they'll say, like, uh, you know, uh, Bill Johnson, uh, you know, he's going for a a minor surgery uh, on his left leg or something. And then the commentator I heard one time, he was like, it's only considered a minor surgery when it's not happening to you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If it's happening to you, it's a major surgery. Yeah. So I, I guess if somebody was complaining about their or just venting or talking about their chronic illness instead of saying hey at least it's not cancer you could say i'm sorry that you're going through this Uh you could say how can i help you where like like in the beginning of the pandemic a lot of people reached out to me friends because we have magical wonderful beautiful friends knowing that i'm immunocompromised reaching out saying what can i do for you don't leave your house so uh, having that support in terms of caretaking, mm-hmm. it's not always dirty things like wiping the butts and that stuff. It's also being there as a supportive person to help you in things that you can't do. And what about in terms of just being a realistic reflection? So in terms of you saying like this, like if you were to say that I'm feeling bad and this is terrible, if the person was to basically say like, yes, it is. Like, is that somehow, and then it, I guess it's a personal preference because there might be some people that like the the, the, the bright and shiny uh, positivity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, there are probably some people that are maybe just interested in just knowing that they're not feeling, that they're not um, incorrect for feeling this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're feeling bad, you might want somebody to just say, "I, you know, you, you, t- you know, this makes sense that you're feeling bad." I think acknowledging somebody's feelings and recognizing that they are valid is really important. And it's you s- can say that differently to different people. I personally enjoy facts, and I want to get checked right. if I'm doing something wrong, or if I, you know, I've had periods in time of being really depressed where I've gone to therapy and I've said, I feel this, this and that. And the therapist's job is to say, well, you're not seeing it the right way. It could also come off as this, this and this. Right. Here's how you fix it. So I personally need to get checked in that regard because I can get lost in my own head in that way. Right. Where other people might not, they know that and they might just might want to hear a happy story that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean I think there's also in there there is also the idea of just taking your mind away from something for a little while. Mm-hmm. But you can't live in in you know, you have to monitor what's going on in your body. You can't just forget about it. No. But there are moments you, that you need so I think it's I think being a caretaker or being a an, an ally in that regard is is just to kind of figure out what the person wants yeah. to listen. It's just to listen for the most part. It is some mm-hmm. p- sometimes they are looking for advice. There like are no I right answers, are there? No, there's, there's <laughs> nothing. We're just offering several situations that could happen. Like for example, when I was going through all this before I had a diagnosis, you. What did I do? Tell me what I did. You and your mom. Um. Well, let's talk about your mom for a second. Can we just talk about me for a second? No, I want to talk about your mom. Mm. So I, she was a good person to notice my symptoms because I wouldn't didn't see her every day, so she noticed me getting worse and worse by seeing her 
in increments of a week, two weeks. So when I would see her, she'd be like, oh, my God, what is wrong with you? And on several times, she told me how bad I looked. Sure. <laughs> but I needed that because I, I wasn't realizing how bad I was getting. So I think me personally, I need that honesty. But I also had her voice and your voice in the back of my head when I was at doctors to tell me to advocate for myself. So I had her s- telling me, you're not well. I can physically see it. And then I have you telling me, because a, b- a big problem I had was I had so many things going on. I never got a chance to even say every symptom that I had. Right. So I had you, the best advice you ever gave me was to tell me, just say, I'm sorry, I wasn't done speaking. Mm. I'm going to hear that quite a bit on this podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, so in terms of being a caretaker, some people don't want advice. And then we can go on about unsolicited advice another day but in this term i was asking what do i do here i'm not well Mm -hmm. and i think giving that honesty and just so your mom gave me the honesty that i needed to hear and then you gave me you observed the situation as a fact like oh well you're not getting help because they're not hearing everything is wrong Mm -hmm. so being able to say "No, no no i have more helped quite a bit can we talk a little bit about um once you got an uh an actual or relatively a a label or a diagnosis to what you have which was in this case crohn's disease amongst other things being the principal thing and um i know just from viewing you at that point you were then able to kind of become uh find a others that were because you now had a label it was able easier to find people that had similar experiences because they were all kind of under an umbrella Mm -hmm. am i right about that you think yeah so once you were able to do that how did that affect uh how did you feel about that did it make you feel better or worse or 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 how did interacting with people similarly number one the reason i found the crohn's and colitis foundation is through advertisements from me searching Crohn's disease so much. Right, but I'm not even talking so. about any sort of formal groups. I'm just talking <laughs> no. about having a, uh, a now a common speak with with people and able to much like if, if you're a music fan, right? Like, you know, if if you like hip-hop or if you like rock, there are certain key words that can get you down that road fast. Yeah. And now you had a lot of those key words. So how did that feel when you were starting to interact with people that were kind of very much more similar? Not everyone's the same, like you said, no. but much more similar. How did so that make you this, feel? The particular people that I met at first... Um, it was through a program called Teen Challenge, where we run half marathons and to fundraise and such for the foundation. Now, I was one of the youngest people in that group that were signed up. So for me, it felt really good to see grown adults with jobs and families and who owned homes and who were on the same medication as me. Because I thought maybe... I guess I had a feeling of like, oh, well, I'm broken. I'm not going to be able to have the same opportunities as other people. So seeing all of them older. Different points in life. Different points in life was, and, and some doing things that you would like to They weren't all the same age either. There were some that were in their late twenties, their early thirties. There were some that had children that were my age. Yeah, it gave you options to things you could do. It did. So that really helped me. And they all look normal. They all act normal. I'm like, oh, these are all like decrepit little sick people. Right. <laughs> That's not who I have to be. Um, so that was really helpful. And then I kind of took on that role, helping people my age 
and catering to that environment too as like a young professional what do you mean by that so like people who are going through what i was going through or who are not necessarily having crohn's people who are navigating their health in a very transitional moment of life Mm -hmm. a lot of us are uh, our friends or people that we graduated with high school with who are mostly the people that i talk to on the internet sure sure they're either just graduating school or just have their first job but then there's some that are buying homes and getting married and having children being able i think just to show that i'm i don't want to say normal but i have like a steady life and i still have all these things somebody had reached out to me um who was at our wedding and they were like oh i was so shocked to see that you were drinking at your wedding and that you were having fun and that you were on your feet the whole time. They're drinking right now. I'm drinking right now. But she was shocked to uh, that she didn't know that I was able to live such a healthy, quote-unquote, normal life. She thought that I would have to, knowing everything that I my body goes through every mm-hmm, day, mm-hmm. she thought I wouldn't be able to do all that stuff. So she has a friend who is going through similar things, so it gave her hope. Right, right. Like, oh, it's this isn't a death sentence. So, and you also became, as you were mentioning, that you were looking at these other individuals and you saw life options or career options or, or what your life could be. You joined that arc for other people to look at. Yeah. So, and you mentioned also you would be kind of helping other people in terms of that. D- did you enjoy helping people that, or, or still do? Do you, en- do you enjoy kind of being a beacon for people? Do you find it to be... Uh, well, we all know I love to talk about myself. Well, that's what, I mean, I, what I, I, was, I was getting to. <laughs> Do you find it stressful to be a beacon of optimism for people? Is that stressful I, to I you? I don't think that that is what I come off as. I think that... Um, well, you just mentioned that you were became it gave somebody hope. I, I mean, don't think I'm a beacon of optimism, though, because she didn't know that prior to that. She thought that I was a sick person who's just kind of powering through. Right, right. So I... I like to, I I think that the main goal of this podcast is that I want everyone to actually know the whole picture. Right. And I don't ever want to feel like I'm putting up a facade or that I'm like a chronic illness influencer (laughs) or anything like that. I'm just a person. I'm just a person. And probably what what we're learning, I think, with doing this podcast and, and having people reach out to us, it, it's, it's, it seems likely that more people than less, like more people than not have, these sort of some sort of like I think there's a, a generalization that happens sometimes as you probably felt when there was there's the regular people and then there's me you know what I mean like yeah. this and I think what we're learning both just through education and both and I think specifically through this show is that it's probably maybe you know in terms of I think everyone is all under the same umbrella just a different I think breakdown. so too and one of the most common things that people tell me is if I like run into somebody outside of the home under normal circumstances when COVID is not here. They would say, oh, I love reading your stories. I have a friend who's having similar issues. I sent her your profile and she related to so much stuff of what you said. Right, right. I think that if more people, not that I think that everyone should talk about it. I think some people admire privacy a lot more than I do. (laughs) Um, But I think if more people were just honest with how they're actually feeling mentally, physically, Mm -hmm. people would feel less alone. And that's and there's value in that. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, w- I didn't mean to. Die. I wasn't arguing the point. I just wanted. <laughs> to, I was adding, leading to your next point. Yeah. Um, but in terms of people coming to you and, and asking you questions and things like that, do you ever feel it 
a daunting or do you ever feel like you you're setting uh if if now if you don't become uh the the greatest person in the world do you feel like you've set a, a goal that's 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 dang, like uh, uncomfortable like do you feel like you have to be the very best now at everything that you do because you also have this issue now and you want to carry that banner for those people or do you think that that is not for those people i've had moments where i felt like i've had to prove myself and i've overdone certain tasks yeah but i know better now what do you mean what do you know better because I think people that are listening that are kind of maybe to feel like they're I think in when there's when they have an issue they like not overcompensate but they just some people feel like they need to like you say prove yourself so so for example if I'm volunteering for something I can't just like show up and set up the table I have to run the whole thing I don't th- and I don't know how to not do that <laughs> and you think that that do you think that's a, a control issue or do you think that's a a, a trying to uh, be something I uh, think represent something? for me it's I'm and one thing that I deal with mentally is that I kind of always feel like I'm on borrowed time because I don't know when my next flare will be. Right. So I kind of and and it's such a silly concept because I've been well. I haven't had a major flare like that where I've been in the hospital in like three years. Right. And as long as everything goes okay, it's not in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I go like, oh, I have to do this now because mm-hmm. I might not be able to next year. And in one way, that's a good way to live life. We're like now or never, but in another way, it's I'm overdoing it. <laughs> you feel like you're uh, almost out of breath. You're at the uh, it's it's a it's a lofty pace. Yeah. Yeah. So doing this podcast, it'll kind of be nice to send everyone to one place right now who either wants help or just doesn't want to feel alone or just wants to talk. Can be like, hey, I got this punk. <laughs> or you know, there's a lot of people like you. The understanding that you know, probably this is the way that people that most people are. So you don't have to feel like you're in a a race or anything like that. Yeah. You know, or maybe you you know, or if that works for you, whatever keeps you going. I did want to ask one more thing. So as we're closing out here, in terms of you're talking about being like a, uh, it, I don't want to say inspiration, but people looking <laughs> to you as in a, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm saying you mentioned that other people see you as you know a, a goal or an inspiration or, or, or I did not say those words. People see you as some <laughs> sort of deity or something that they'd like to worship or something that along those. Is not people what see I you as some sort of uh, immaculate uh, stop a statue of some kind. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, no, uh, I'm saying in terms of things that you look at, you looked at the other people that were with this with these uh, issues. What about like in terms of representation in things like TV and movies and stuff like that? D- did you do you have a, did you give that any consideration, or did you notice it after you've seen it, like or any celebs? So I've heard it? Crohn's disease be mentioned twice, um, and I'm happy with the way they said them. Once was in. That show on Freeform, everything's gonna be okay. Uh-huh. One of the not main characters, um, she was having, she has autism, she has a service dog, and she also has Crohn's disease. But she just kind of casually mentioned Crohn's disease. By the way, spoiler alert. It's not a spoiler alert. Oh. She's not that important of a character on no. the show. But she, um, she is going on about how she's very fussy with certain things, mm-hmm. which. I, gu- I guess most people watching that show would categorize that in her autism, but I 100% see that in my Crohn's as well, where I'm like, no, no, I can't be wearing this or that because it's going to bother my bones, which is then going to bother this, which is then going to bother that. I recognize that fussiness with her. Right. So it was fun to see that and also just to hear the word Crohn's disease on TV. Mm-hmm. And the second time I've heard it was um, Pete Davidson. 
who has his new movie, King of Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And he brings up Crohn's disease, which he has in real life. Um, and how, how does he say it? <laughs> well, I think they want him to eat a hot dog or something. And he's like, ah, I can't eat a hot dog. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll get really sick or I'll get diarrhea or something. He's and like the guy was like, oh. oh, he's like, I have Crohn's disease. And he's like, oh, what does that mean? And yeah. then he tells him, he's he like, you could just say no. And then he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to spread awareness. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I liked that where like so many people don't want to hear about poop, but like this is a big chunk of his life. Mm hmm. And it's more than just not being able to eat a hot dog. Right. Which, by the way, I can't either, and I miss them every day. That's really interesting, though. So if people have uh, specific questions about you or for you or regarding your uh, story, um, they can send them in to you uh, to the email? Would that be the Through the website, email, Instagram, wherever. Okay. We just requested if you have requests to be on the show or to send in your submission that you send that through the website just so I can have that all in one place. Well, I want to thank you for telling your, you know, a little piece of your uh, story here. I think people are really going to be able to uh, get a better understanding of, of you and, and, um, and uh, you know, understand what we're trying to do, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, as much as I keep joking about loving to talk about myself, this is a major part of my life. So it's kind of hard to not bring it up in a lot of conversations. And I made a note here earlier before you started the story, you said that the story was a little muddy. Did you do that as a joke as well? About <laughs> Or you just, that was it's not on purpose? embedded internally. You didn't mean that on purpose? I had wow. frequent mud butt. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> Klaus, could you cut that out for goodness <laughs> sake? I guess you could leave that if you want. Yeah. I don't know if you can say that. I don't know if you can say any of those words on the air. Nah. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, this has been the, uh, what's the name of the show? Sick Invite Podcast. This is, <laughs> okay, this has been the Sick Invite Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Make sure you subscribe and uh, send us your story or follow us on Instagram. Uh, uh, Kayla, thank you uh, for coming on. Yeah, Sick Invite.